Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And I'll cut straight to the chase this week. John, you insisted it was going to be the Washington Admirals. I haven't heard anyone that confident about anything since Matt Hasselbeck <laughs> declared the Seahawks were going to take the ball and win the game in overtime. But uh, as everybody probably knows by now, it is the Washington Commanders. John? What happened here? Well, you know, I was trying to think like awful owner Daniel Snyder. Now, Washington Generals are the comic foil of the Harlem Globetrotters. So the closest association to the losingest team in sports history would be Admirals. So I figured that had to be it. I mean, that's just that's how Snyder is. But uh, meanwhile, any remaining doubt I had that the New Jersey sports betting saga took over my life from 2012 to 18 was a race when I first saw this and thought it was the commandeers. I'm thinking it's an honor, it's an honor of the principle of unconstitutional commandeering that led to the U.S. Supreme Court throwing the infamous PASPA law passed by Congress out the window. And it said allowing for legal sports betting marketplace all over the U.S., which is really the reason for this uh, podcast, among other things. So but a couple of thoughts. Um, look, Eagles fans, including yourself, you're clearly going to call this team the commies. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not not even a question. Um, I'm thinking it's secondary mascot, half man, half lizard named Sal A. Mander. I don't know. And creativity. Yeah. Younger fans <laughs> may go ironic with chance of go Durs. I guess. Mm. I don't know. It, it's better than the Cleveland Guardians of the American League Central Division. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I might have taken uh, commandeers over commanders. That's uh, that's how <laughs> much I am not a fan of uh, commanders. Yeah, Le- leave it, leave it to this franchise under Dan Snyder to pick the lamest possible name with the lamest possible logo. Also, you know, they they had two years to think about it, and they landed on a name that is at best just boring, and at worst 
exactly what you said. Shorten the commies, or you can also mock it with going commando is an option. Um, and, and you know, they had decent options. Hogs, red hogs, pigskins, you know, at, at least the fans of the team could have gotten behind some of those uh, sort of names. But uh, Red Wolves is pretty badass. I mean, the wolves, that's sure. like, you know, yeah. the fans can be howling and, you know, going yeah. nuts, like almost like the, you know, the dogs and, and the dog pound in Cleveland. And, you know, they're, you know, the wolves are badass animals. I mean, that's like, what's this got red in it? I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. uh, it was, again, Snyder, that's just it. It's, it, He's not going to do the thing that makes the most sense. This is not no. what he does. He's going to probably sign Deion Sanders again to another couple year contract. To, that is right. <laughs> right. So the, your the admirals thing though, was that based just on your instinct or did you have, I thought you maybe had a source telling you that, was that not the case? This was just you, you making uh, a pick. Well, somewhat, but also the, there was a hint of what the, uh, the, logo was going to look like and it had like sort of stars like like a general's uniform but i think everybody knew even snyder wasn't dumb enough to call them the generals so admirals kind of yeah was there was an undercurrent buzz there that you know it's going to be that and again i didn't think he would do anything creative so it wasn't gonna be red wolves and uh, i commanders uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah well I'm, I'm glad at least that betting on things like what the team name will be <laughs> is not legal in the u.s because i might have put some money behind your admiral's conviction <laughs> if i had the chance okay there you go all right thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 179 of gamble on if you missed any of our previous 178 episodes they're all available on spreaker apple Podcasts, spotify Uh, yes we're still on spotify we lack the integrity of neil young and Joni mitchell unfortunately uh, and all other podcast apps please subscribe write a review and give us a five-star rating yeah, and coming up a little later in the show, we're going to be joined by Sports Betting Hall of Famer, the DraftKings head bookmaker, Johnny Avello. Uh, Johnny will help us preview the Winter Olympic betting action. Give us a sense of how it compares to interest in the Summer Olympics. Plus, we'll get his early insights on where the money is going for the Rams-Bengals Super Bowl. But first, it's been a, I don't know, I'd say typically busy week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week. An inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. After three straight weeks of leading the news section with New York mobile betting coverage, this week we'll go with the second state to launch mobile betting in 2022, Louisiana, which took its first bets on Friday morning. Caesars, DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, BetRivers, Barstool, and WinBet all launched with the usual risk-free bet and deposit match promos although the amounts are a wee bit smaller than for New York bettors. Uh, And GeoComply shared data from the first 48 hours of legal betting showing 2.68 million geolocation transactions in a population of just under 5 million uh, compared to 17.2 million transactions from New York's roughly 20 million citizens. Unsurprisingly, the great majority of the transactions took place in the New Orleans area and around Baton Rouge. And the busiest period came while the conference championship games were happening on Sunday. And while the best thing for Louisiana betting handle would have been the Saints reaching the Super Bowl, the sportsbooks got the next best thing, LSU's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase leading the Bengals there. John, thoughts on Louisiana joining the party? And how much do the state's tax coffers benefit from having zero border states with legal mobile betting up and running? Yeah, my first thought is the lyric uh, "busted flat in Baton Rouge" takes on a new meaning now, doesn't it? And uh, <laughs> kids, you can Google that; it'll get you get you to Janis Joplin. And uh, there are worse <laughs> rabbit holes 
to go down. Uh, believe me, you'll be amazed if you're not familiar with her. Um, yeah, the Saints, I believe, are a multi-state regional franchise. So uh, the state did miss the boat with this uh, timing. And, you know, the Saints were in it all the way to the last game. So uh, they would have done well there. Uh, meanwhile, Mississippi remarkably has held the line and stuck with only betting at the casinos. I mean, hey, Mississippi casinos, the Casino Association of New Jersey called and they want their 2011 talking points back <laughs> on opposing smartphone gambling. <laughs> Come on. You know, all the better for Louisiana, which definitely is a good football betting state. Maybe pretty good with basketball for the SEC and the Pelicans. And OK, that might be it. But uh, meanwhile, think about it. We have two we have teams from two states that don't yet offer legal sports betting and the Super Bowl state since the Rams is at the Ram Stadium, California, mm -hmm. doesn't have it either. So I wonder if it's the last time we'll have that triple threat where local fans can't legally bet in their state. And then when they travel to the game, they can't bet at the Super Bowl site either. Yeah, that's a good question. This uh, the with the way that it's proliferating, the, it's getting more and more unlikely that in future years you'll actually hit that trifecta. Um, but yeah, you know, you mentioned Mississippi. They are at least starting to talk about introducing uh, mobile, yeah. but uh, it doesn't seem like they're in any huge rush. And just geographically, in terms of major population centers near the Louisiana border in other states, there isn't much. I, I was looking at a map. The mm -hmm. closest is Houston. And that's like 275 miles from the border. Nobody's making that drive to get in their Super Bowl bets. So Louisiana is a rare example of a state where I don't think it matters that much whether the border states also have mobile betting. Um, certainly Louisiana launching isn't going to spur Texas into action. Texas will go ahead and keep losing tax money to the offshore sports books and to the in-state bookies. Uh, but I don't think they're losing tax money to Louisiana. Yeah, it's kind of a wasteland there for sports betting in that whole region for sure yeah um the the one interesting thing with louisiana is that uh mobile betting and and this applies to dfs as well is legal in 55 of the 64 parishes we discussed that a little bit when mm -hmm. they were first legalizing so those other nine parishes are geofenced out so i guess there will be some of that type of border crossing you know driving <laughs> out of a parish without sports betting and to go into another parish and place your bets uh, good luck to GeoComply finding that uh, um, uh, geofencing because I have a feeling the nine parishes that didn't support it are not uh, not uh, heavily trafficked. So uh, hopefully the technology is there that they can do it. Right. All right. Staying in the southeast, we go to Florida for our second news story. But this isn't a happy story about legal mobile wagering coming to the state. This is the opposite. Since the short-lived Seminole Hard Rock monopoly, bettors in the state have been hopeful that a more competitive market might open up in the near future by getting a referendum on the ballot in November. Unfortunately, the measure backed by Florida Education Champions, the political action committee funded by FanDuel and DraftKings, has failed to gather enough signatures in time. And on Friday, they folded the effort. They needed over 890,000 signatures by February 2nd, and they had just 475,000 verified with five days to go. <sighs> DraftKings and FanDuel reportedly put a combined $37 million behind the effort, and it failed, leaving Floridians with no clear path to legal mobile betting this year, unless the legal tide turns in the Seminoles' efforts. John, are you surprised how far short the signature gathering effort fell? And you see anything for Floridians who want to bet on their phones to be optimistic about in terms of the potential for legal wagering to come in the next year or two? 
Yeah, I'm very surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of an amount that DraftKings and FanDuel could spend on a campaign to get sports betting uh, on the on the ballot in a state as big as Florida. And where I'd think like, you know, that that wasn't worth it. That was too much. Um, I don't have the exact number for what would be too much. It's not it's definitely over 37 million. And I'd say it's over 137 million. So. I, I don't I'm really at a loss as to what happened. I mean, meanwhile, the Seminoles have played their hand well, right? They got to deal with the state that has allowed them to launch at their half dozen casinos, including Hard Rocks in the Tampa and Fort Lauderdale areas. And that, that will continue to attract extra visitors. They have sports betting in Florida only at the Seminole casinos. You know, then they took a shot with mobile sports betting, too. Uh, but the tribe hasn't fared as well in court so far on that front. But the fallback is oh well well nobody has it you know and now the next threat from DraftKings and FanDuel has fizzled somehow so you know this is a bigger problem if you think about it North Florida which continues to be mm-hmm. cut off from legal regulated gambling uh, and sports betting at least and whose residents can't find refuge to the north in Georgia or Alabama yet either you know okay the modest number of residents in the far western panhandle can make a manageable weekend drive to a Mississippi casino I suppose but I'm really stretching to get a legal sports bet in you know half of Florida uh, you know progress in next year or two you asked about i'm not convinced that happens which is weird but it does give us a lot to talk about and write about so i guess there's that right we always have that to fall back on it seems <laughs> with some of these states um yeah this whole situation is so messy i i do feel bad for the people there who don't feel like going to the casinos or don't live near the casinos and who just want to be able to engage in some casual legal sports betting. They had 33 and a half days of having one sports betting site, which they had to know could come offline at any moment. And so then that comes down and all their futures bets get wiped off the board. And so now it just kind of ends up as a big tease because the the governor and the Seminoles tried to sneak one past the goalie and didn't pause to get some good legal advice. You know, one call to Dan Wallach a year ago and this all could have been avoided. (laughs) Well, I I disagree a little bit. I I think the Seminoles did pretty well here. I mean, they have sports betting now. And, do, and nobody do, else but... does. And they, they're, they're, you know, they're, again, the northern half of Florida, they're not in, but uh, the southern part of Florida, you know, southeast, southwest, uh, Tampa area. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people in Florida with within, you know, 30, 40 miles at, at most of a casino. So th- for people who want to do this, especially like a, a football Sunday, you know, or March Madness, let's say, or maybe they'll spend a weekend or a couple of days. You know, there's a lot of people in Florida who have a lot more uh, convenience options now to legally bet in the state. It's just that the Seminoles get all the money. I guess, but you were, you know, you're just kind of ragging on Mississippi only has uh, retail and then <laughs> saying that it's okay for uh, good, good in some ways for the Seminoles in Florida. I mean, I get what you're saying, but uh, you know, certainly the Seminoles goal was to get both retail and mobile knowing that in states that have both, you know, 90% of the action is comes from mobile um, shifting to the money that uh, DraftKings and FanDuel poured into this. As you said, it, you could have seen them spending more, but still this is enough that I think it qualifies as uh, more than the proverbial rounding error that we reference. Um, you know, Florida is an important state. They don't mind spending to get in the door there, but spending to not get in the door, I don't know. That's that's a bad defeat. Um, we talked before about all the shady signature gathering practices on on all sides, trying to stop signatures. And, and uh, I, all of that ultimately had to have hurt their chances. I mean, they probably were pretty close to the number of signatures they needed, but the verification process moved slowly and they, they ran out of time. So, you know, it looks like they barely got halfway there. They actually were closer than that, I presume, you know, but still, 
I don't know where Florida goes now with this. They they have to be looking at New York and seeing the tax revenue they're missing <laughs> out on and thinking that could have been us. Um, so I guess a, a lot depends on what the Seminoles mindset is. Maybe like you're saying, they're kind of satisfied and uh, they'll let their legal challenges play out and see what happens. And if all there is is uh, in-person sports betting for a while, maybe they're good with that. Um Maybe not. Maybe they'll work on a, a new non-monopolistic deal. Uh, I, I would have to think that they'd rather be one of 10 mobile sports books competing for a piece of the pie than have there be no mobile pie. But again, uh, you you seem uh, to if they're more of the mindset that, hey, we have it. And nobody else does. And uh, we could be making more, but at least we're, we're making the, the retail betting dollars. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not sure what their mindset is on this. Yeah, I think they win either way. But you know, I'm thinking of the pre-COVID era and the people managing this campaign. You know, are sort of summoned into an office, a boardroom, and the door closes, and you know they sit there kind of glum, and then some, you know, big wig executive uh, is looking at them, going, "You had one job, <laughs> <laughs> and and now you don't." I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't mean to make light of it, but what the heck? I mean, that's that's what it is. You know, of course, it happened on a Zoom call in this case, I'm sure. Right, but, right. <laughs> uh, there's failure is not an option with that amount of money spent. You you have to figure it out. If you say, oh, I didn't know this, I didn't know that. Well, then, you know, that wasn't it's not the job for you. So I, you know, I, I do feel a little bit of empathy for some of those people, but they had one job. Yep. Did not get it done. All right. Uh, our third story this week is, in my opinion, our, our most interesting and our most discussion worthy. Um, all of our listeners surely heard about the insane parlay bet that hit at FanDuel on Sunday. Someone took a $20 site credit and bet it on the parlay of Bengals to beat Chiefs by the exact score of 27-24 and Rams to beat 49ers by the exact score of 20-17. to The first leg was a 220-1 to long shot. The second leg was a 130 to one long shot combined. They paid 28,950 to one, which means the $20 wager returned $579,020. One possible problem. FanDuel in promoting the win in order to convince other people to make similar snowballs chance in hell bets uh, included the Instagram page of the person who first posted the ticket. And it was Jet Honig, who, thanks to our colleague Jeff Edelstein's Internet detective work, we now know is a high school freshman. But according to FanDuel, the wager was made by Honig's father. And the fact that the high schooler was celebrating is not proof that he made the bet himself. It's a messy situation. There's strong suspicion and circumstantial evidence pointing to an underage gambler making the bet illegally, but there's no hard evidence, and we're being told it was all on the up and up. John, two things for you to weigh in on here. First off, is this the most remarkable winning bet you've seen yet in this post-past era we've been covering? And second, is this industry in danger if underage players have access to their parents' gaming accounts? Now, and I'm, I have to be clear, I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened here, but should this be opening people's eyes to a potential problem for the industry? Yeah, I mean, the key for me is that this was a promotional free bet, right? I mean, to give you an idea of the chasm between someone who has little chance to, you know, claiming to be a gambler and see the third segment for further proof on this podcast <laughs> and a professional sports better. You know, I remember doing a couple of these and basically getting even money on my little pick, my free money pick. And our, our former gamble on guest, Captain Jack Andrews, meanwhile, you know, would gently prod me to try a long shot because, Hey, it's not like you're risking any money. You never know. And that's what this is. So if this kid did it, that means he's a hell of a lot smarter than I am. I mean, he's a freshman in high school. It's a little <laughs> depressing, but um, 
you know, look, those values from my depression era parents, I just can't seem to shake them. You know, maybe this one, though, finally wakes me up when I see what this happened. So I think I'm going to go for a, a multi-team parlay the next time around. But, Ooh, all right. Yeah. As far as the underrated, with their money, of course. Okay. Um, and as far as the underrated gambling issue goes, the massive problem is if kids are able to access their parents' credit card, sneak in a new account and run up all kinds of, uh, you know, not only run up all kinds of debt, but just be completely unfettered in an adult world, which, you know, is bad news, you know, whether they're sneaking into a bar when they're 14 or they're sneaking into an online gambling account, they're in over the head, obviously, you know, now if the parent has the account and they have a teenager who loves sports and uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe having 50 bucks in an account and then you lose the money and you tell the kid, well, that's over. That's what happens with gambling. Not a bad lesson, but this kid, he sees dad get rich in a long shot. Um, I'm not sure that's going to go well for him down the road because trying to tell him, Hey, don't waste all that money. You're never going to win. They already won. Yeah. Um, I, I'll chime in on that underage player aspect first, mm-hmm. then, since you were just talking about that, um, you know, again, we don't know for sure one way or the other, whether the teenager was the one who placed the bet or whether he even suggested the bet to his dad. It is theoretically possible that he was just rooting for his dad's bet to win and celebrating it on social media. But Uh, As Edelstein wrote, you know, various versions of this happen all the time. Jeff wrote about his son suggesting some DFS plays several years ago, and the lineup won Jeff like 1500 bucks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I let my 12-year-old son build DFS lineups this season. Mm. I don't mind admitting it. Uh, Every week, I built seven tournament lineups, and then I let him build one. And I would pick one of my lineups going into the week to go head to head against his. And we see how we do against each other Um, for what it's worth. He started the season with a six to two lead. And then I rallied and won every single week from there on out until he quit down 10 to six with two weeks to go. Um, But important lesson though. Good lesson. I I guess so. It's honestly, it's a lesson that you got to put in the work. Not that I work real hard, but he really didn't put any research in. He would just kind of build a lineup looking at it for 10 minutes and be done. Um, Mm. But anyway, I, the important thing is I didn't let, him put in any money and any money that I won from his lineups remained my money. Um, I saw that Jamie Salzberg, the responsible gambling advocate who we've had on the podcast a couple of times, I saw him tweeting in response to Jeff's article this week, and he took the position that parents letting their underage kids place some bets under their supervision isn't necessarily a bad thing, that it's better to do stuff like that out in the open than to have the kids sneaking around and opening an offshore account or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's impossible for the sports books or the regulators to monitor whether a kid is coming up with the bets or the DFS lineups or whatever. But if the parents know about it and are doing it with them, if those parents are teaching responsible gambling habits, I actually think it's a good thing or, or at least, you know, not as bad a thing as what's been going on since pre-PASPA and before legalization came to these states. Um, to be clear, I'm not encouraging kids to gamble or, or saying mm. operators should look the other way. I'm just saying it's happening. And this is the lesser of two evils if this does qualify as an evil. Yeah, it kind of reminds everybody if your kid's at least 10 years old and not just for gambling, by the way, either. You got to check a credit card statement every month. Mm-hmm. I mean, and what is this? What's this number here? What is you know, what is this thing? I don't I'm not familiar with this. What's this two hundred and ten dollars? Whatever it is. It could be <laughs> shopping, too. I mean, it's not necessarily gambling. It's just that, you know, uh, it, Avoiding having your kid get access to any of your uh, account information is difficult, obviously. These kids are very internet savvy and more so often than the parents, so that's a little tricky. 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. This it goes a little off topic, but uh, my uh, my mother in law was over uh, recently. Took a look at our uh, liquor cabinet and and said, <laughs> "When are you going to start locking that stuff away?" Uh, and and uh, you know, I said. Come on, yeah, my my daughter not going anywhere near it. I'm not worried yet. But then my mother-in-law said, "Yeah, what about her friends when they come over?" I was like, "Ah, oh, mm-hmm. good point." Yep. So uh, a lot of lot of this stuff uh, with responsible yeah. parenting that you don't think about, and then your kids get uh, into those teenage years, and you got to start thinking about it. Um, but uh, to just touch on the incredible bet, um, which whoever made it, it's just stunning. You know, I, I wouldn't call it a skill to have won this bet exactly. Um, it's a lottery ticket, but it is more skill than the lottery since uh, you're not just picking completely random numbers. Um, and uh, by the way, I am a sucker. I have been inspired to put $1 down at FanDuel on an exact score in the Super Bowl. I have uh, $1 on Bengals 30, Rams 27 at 190 to one. What do you think <laughs> okay. of that, John? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to see that dollar again, am I? Uh, well, probably not, but that's uh, <laughs> Bengals have a good field goal kicker. They might get three uh-huh, field goals. Uh-huh, or, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, three points, obviously, is a is a pretty enticing version. Yeah, I, you know what? It's not a bad. I might try a dollar bet myself. We'll see. Okay. Same uh-huh. idea. Not All that right. score. I'll take my own score. <laughs> okay. All right. And and to be clear, I'm not doing it with our shared podcast bankroll money. Uh, okay. Although we could turn five bucks into 950. It's tempting. Mm. Uh, mm. But uh, regardless, we're talking about the long shot of hitting one of these. <laughs> this better hit two games exactly. I cannot think of a more amazing winning bet that I've ever heard of. Yeah, that's a pretty good sweat too down the stretch. I think. Yes. <laughs> it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Sports calendar is crowded at the moment with NBA, NHL, and college hoops all in full swing and the Super Bowl just a week and a half away. And adding to the excitement starting this weekend will be the Winter Olympics from Beijing. It's a busy time to be a bookmaker. And joining us now is one of the best in the business, a 2021 inductee of the Sports Betting Hall of Fame, the director of race and sportsbook operations for DraftKings, and the authority quoted every week in U.S. Bets' Ask a Bookmaker column, Johnny Avello. Johnny, it's been far too long since we last had you on the podcast. Welcome once again to Gamble On. Thank you much. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Let's start with the, the Winter Olympics. Uh, that's going to be the primary thing we're talking about here uh, this week. What is the level of interest in these Olympics looking like at the various DraftKings sports books? And, and does it seem to vary significantly by state? Uh, there is interest, and there'll be more interest on our network. Um, and the reason I say that is because when I was running a bricks and mortar location, uh, there was very little interest. Uh, but since we are in so many states, you're going to find people that believe this is their niche. They're going to do some handicapping to find some value. And they just like to bet when, uh, you know, it's, people are sleeping and they're up and finding some action. So uh, there will be some interest. It's, it won't be as good as the Summer Olympics, uh, but, you know, the people will find some spots. Right. And I'm curious also how much do you think it affects handle when the Olympics are as many time zones away as these ones are from, from your U S customers. Is, is that a big deal when it comes to being able to bet on these and, and people being excited to, to bet on the Olympics? It, there is, it's a 12 hour difference. So that certainly has something to do with why the, you know, when, when attract as much action as, 
normal. Uh, but like I said, it'll be some people up at those at those time frames. Uh, the uh, the Winter Olympics is kind of interesting. It has you know most a lot of skiing, slalom women, downhill men, all of those type of events. Ice skating may be something that uh, piques people's interest. It's one of the most watched sports in the world. But when you look at it opposed to the Summer Olympics, uh, Summer Olympics has so many more things that people are events that people are familiar with. You know, the track and field and the soccer and the basketball. And, uh, and, and this one has the hockey, which is probably one of the few events that the people are more familiar with. Yeah, Johnny, talk about the Winter Olympics in particular. Uh, how many of these have you done now for uh, DraftKings? Uh, is the second one or third one? Or Actually, this is the first one. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because, you know, we, we opened up in 18. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we did a Summer Olympics, but I think this is the first Winter Olympics. Okay. And so uh, are you expecting any particular sports? I think you mentioned the figure skating maybe because that's highly watched, highly rated anyway. But um, are there particular sports that you expect to uh, do really well, even if they're kind of unusual? And then if you want to reference the Summer Olympics, you've done that too. Um, like you mentioned, track and field and soccer and basketball, things are obvious. But have there been any sports like the, uh, you know, the early pandemic, we had the ping pong or what the PR people call table tennis was a big deal. So either summer or winter, have there been any sports the, that you uh, either have seen surprising amount of action on or that you expect uh, coming in this Winter Olympics? Well, uh, for this, for the Winter Olympics, we have 41 events up, which is pretty mm -hmm. good. You know, we, we have everything from the ice dancing to single skating men, uh, mm -hmm. We have the freestyle skiing aerials for the men. We have the half pipe. I mean, we have all the events up. So uh, people will, uh, we don't play these events, but is there one that'll stand out? Yes, I believe the hockey will stand out. Um, as far as the summer was concerned, the, the track and field had some interest because there's storylines. When there's storylines with, you know, you're pairing, one guy or one woman against another or against two others, that usually draws some interest. Um, but overall, it was uh, table tennis uh, also was was okay. The the basketball is always the biggest though, uh, you know, because people are rooting for the home men and women's teams. Yeah, I'm thinking too about like. Uh, I I guess my inclination is to think that if an American has a really good chance to win a medal, that's going to attract a lot of interest. And that might be true on the TV side, but I'm not sure if it's true on the betting side. So for a gambler, is it more important that for an American gambler that an American be contending or is sort of the pace of the sport better where, you know, they, they want to bet something that they can do a lot of in-game betting and some sports lend itself better to that than others. So, you know, does the, the sort of, uh, you know, uh, Americanism win out or does it the pace of the uh, sport really you know determine what gamblers like well i think for the person that doesn't want to do uh this this su sufficient amount of handicap and it's mm. the ones where the american team uh yeah. americans are participating and uh you know rooting for them for the people that want to dive in and start looking up you know how what what is who's the leaders in a slalom event uh you know those type of things that's or ice dancing uh, you can do some handicapping and then you can go and see if you can find some value. So mm -hmm. there's always going to be the people that are going to look, be looking for the value. And then there's the ones that just want to root for the home team. 
And I, one other thing, uh, the uh, the time difference uh, you've mentioned before to me that uh, even though right in some ways it's not ideal that it's not on you know East Coast prime time. On the other hand, there's plenty of college basketball for a gambler to go on. So these events are actually taking place at sort of a downtime. So is there some kind of benefit to that that uh, it works out okay even though it's not in the live uh, East Coast prime time? It might help that there's no football for a week and a half, mm. two weeks. Mm. So yeah. that that may help. Uh, yeah, and yeah, there's not a we're we're in a period right now where it's not a low, but uh, you know you have pro basketball and college basketball and hockey all in full swing, um, and the customers bet them pretty heavily every single night. But this just adds a little something more to the mix, uh, and so that's that's another reason I think it'll get action because of uh, you know with football with one game left and no games with for two weeks. I actually just opened up on my phone, uh, Johnny, your, uh, your market for the uh, most gold medals by country. Um, I was just kind of curious where the USA yeah. stood on that when John started yeah. asking you about uh, the interest in betting on the U.S. And I see the U.S. is tied for fourth with Canada at, at plus 1,200. Is, is there, I mean, that's the kind of bet uh, or just over under uh, gold medals for the U.S. I see is at eight and over under eight and a half. Um, is that the, I mean, that's the kind of bet that you can kind of sweat the entire two weeks if, if you play it are you are you guys seeing much uh, action in, in that sort of specialty market yeah we are i mean you want to bet the u.s and you're getting 12 to 1 so it's uh you know that that's a fair price and people certainly want to get more back than they put up you know you can always lay the chalk norway and lay four to win one but nobody's interested in that bet so, <laughs> so yeah why not take a chance with 12 to 1 and see if the u.s can pull it off right um, all right. So as, as long as we have you on uh, the week before the Super Bowl, uh, we do have to get your uh, early insights on the betting there. Are there any betting markets in terms of the either the spread or the money line or the over under where, where you're seeing lopsided action on the game or, or is it pretty balanced at this point? I, I wouldn't call anything, uh, you know, lopsided. We are a little heavy on a few sides uh, on the game itself. We opened four and a half. We went down to four. Now we're back to four and a half. We're seeing a little more bangle money, but slightly, maybe 53% of the action on the bangles on the side. Uh, on the money line, we're seeing overwhelmingly amount, a lot of money on the bangles, probably 65 to 70%. Uh, and that's not unusual because people do bet the underdog in the Super Bowl and the money line straight up. The total... Uh, I could, you know, we're seeing a little more money on the over at this point, but there's going to be a lot more money on the over. The over is going to be hooked into multiple parlays, same game parlays. Uh, we're, we're, the house is going to need the under by game time. Well, you mentioned the the same game parlays. I mean, I know those are all the rage at every sports book these days. I would have to assume this is going to be the the most single game parlayed game that DraftKings has ever done uh, since it's obviously it's just a, a solo game out there. Is that what you're anticipating? I would agree with that assessment. Uh, I would also agree that this is going to be the biggest betting game that DraftKings has ever had. Uh, so looking for a tremendous amount of action. And the reason I say that is because I've seen what the handle was for AFC, NFC championships last week and all the playoff games leading up to the Super Bowl. So expecting a huge handle here. Yeah, I'll just throw one in on the, you know, is the NFL so uh, powerful that, you know, Bengals Rams is not a dream scenario that anybody came up with, but at this point, doesn't even matter who's playing. I mean, it's not Cowboys Steelers, but uh, you know, Bengals Rams. And like you say, it's going to be the biggest 
one. I mean, if they perfected the the sort of uh, entertainment value so much that it doesn't matter which two teams are in there, it's going to be a huge deal. Well, John, remember that we've been seeing a lot of the same teams in there every year. Yeah. And, you know, when the Patriots are in there every year, everybody knows that it's exciting. Got Tom Brady and uh, you know, a lot of players to work with on props. But it's nice to have a couple of fresh teams in there. <laughs> yeah, so sure. that's what we have. We have the Rams who there's there's a lot to work with there. And Cincinnati, there's a lot to work with there. There's a lot of storylines. So I don't think the uh, teams are ever bigger than the game itself. All right. Great stuff. Uh, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast again, uh, Johnny. Uh, we re- really appreciate your time. And uh, I, I look forward to the next Ask a Bookmaker column and also to the next time that we can bring you on the podcast. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, guys. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Johnny. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Before we update our betting bankroll, let's quickly recap our playoff picks, since we don't have any additional picks to make this week. We were both on the right side of the AFC Championship, taking the Bengals plus seven, and I landed ever so narrowly on the right side of the NFC title game with the 49ers plus three and a half, whereas the hook cost John on the Rams side. So that means I'm eight and four heading into the Super Bowl, and John is seven and five with his bid for an over 500 overall season, regular season plus playoffs on the line two Sundays from now. <laughs> and now on to the bankroll where the cold streak continues. Three bets graded, three bets lost. Uh, John had Justin Thomas for the top 10 in the golf. He was looking good most of the way, but collapsed on the final day and finished tied for 20th. That cost us $125. John also had the over in Bengals Chiefs. The number was 54 and a half. So with 48 points scored heading into overtime, We needed it to go field goal, then field goal to extend the game or touchdown to end the game. And we didn't get there. We lost $110 on that. And I took Jamar Chase at plus 410 for the most receiving yards in the two games Sunday. He didn't come close. He had the ninth most yards, uh, the chalk pick Cooper Cup won. So that was a $50 loss. Add it all up and we lost $285 on the week dropping us to a new low of $2,736 below where we started. We have $470 on hold in futures bets. That leaves us with a mere $6,794 available to bet this week. And I'm up first, and uh, let's get a Super Bowl prop bet in early. No, I'm not picking the exact score, Um, but uh, we'll have more of these next week, I'm sure. But here's one prop that I like the Bengals to kick the longest made field goal during the game. They're only minus 120 at DraftKings, where I think they're a bigger favorite than that because this Evan McPherson, he just doesn't miss. He's a big part of the reason they beat the Titans two weeks ago. Zach Taylor isn't afraid to trot him out there for a 55-yarder or maybe a 60-yarder if that opportunity arises. His long this season was a 58-yarder. He went 9 for 11 from 50-plus. Not that Matt Gay of the Rams isn't a fine kicker himself, but I think the Rams' defense getting key stops and forcing field goal attempts – Combined with McPherson's leg, very good chance the Bengals kicked the longest field goal in the game. I think there's value at minus 120. So let's go $120 to win 100. 
All right. Yeah. So to recap, three weeks ago, my top 10 pick in the golf finished 11th. And the same thing happened the following week. Uh, now, Justin Thomas missed putts of three and five feet over the final four holes on, mm-hmm. on Saturday, the final round. And if he had tapped those in, he would have finished, wait for it, 11th. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for my next trick, I have a pair of golfers who will finish with a share of 21st place this weekend because I'm going with them as top 20. <laughs> so now you know. Uh, look for top 25 or top 30. They're all luck uh this is at pebble beach uh, the golf first is maverick mcneely he's a wonderful rags to riches story whose father is a billionaire and he somehow plugged his way through to stanford and now lives in las vegas it's it's the whole pull yourself up by the bootstrap story the american dream really um this horse for a course is finished fifth and second here the last two years so i'm thrilled to get him at 100 to win 130 for a top 20 and another can't lose but will lose pick is mito Pereira at 100 to win 200 for your top 20 also on bet mgm you know one of our colleagues at action network has Pereira as a sleeper to win this whole thing at 50 to 1 but i can't risk more than okay 10 units at that price 10 to win 500 that mito ah. Pereira wins okay. uh 26 year old chilean had three wins on the equivalent of like a triple a tour in golf last year he's racked up some top tens with the big boys and this is an awful field frankly uh so uh the door's open there. So uh, those are my two lost picks this week. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see how they do. Hopefully uh, at least one of them sneaks in there for a cash. Um, so for my second bet, I'm going to go with boxing to try to snap my own personal losing streak. Um, and I found a nice underdog who I'm not so sure should be an underdog this Saturday veteran Carlos Cuadras takes on undefeated prospect Jesse Bam Rodriguez. Rodriguez is a short notice replacement for a fighter who is out with a non-COVID illness. Uh, He's moving up two weight classes. And most importantly to me, he's totally untested. He looks great, but he's been fighting C-level and D-level opposition. I've seen this enough times. I've, I've seen the untested hot prospect lose to the Wiley veteran. I was expecting to see this fight listed around even money. Instead, on Wednesday, Quadros was plus 210, and I looked again Thursday morning, he's plus 260. So either everyone knows something I don't, or this is a great opportunity to get plus 260 on a guy who's right around 50-50 to win. Those don't come around too often, so let's risk $60 to win $156 on Quadros. I think recent uh, experience suggests that there are a lot of people know things that we don't but, it's very uh, possible yes very possible yeah uh, i'll do the patriotic thing then and go 165 to win 150 on the u.s going over eight and a half gold medals at the just started winter olympics okay uh we have a, a sweat for the next two weeks then on the u.s golds mm-hmm. i like i like that in spirit i have no idea whether it's a smart bet but i like it in mm-hmm. spirit they won nine four years ago in south korea so yeah, okay it's possible all right. Saying there's a chance. <laughs> and, and we'll take it. Any chance, we'll take it. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Johnny Avello. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, John, please take us out. Uh, yeah, well, I've been partly successful in not mentioning my season-long golf pool in real life of late, so I think I can do this one mention. Uh, mm-hmm. If you play and or watch golf, and I have friends who do also, consider some form of our pool. Where we begin this weekend, we go 29 weeks until the Tour Championship in August. Now, you pick four golfers each week. You collect in units the amount of prize money your players make, and uh, that's simple enough. Weekly prize for the best picks, too, so if you're floundering a midseason, you can still get a chunk of it back with some weekly wins. So sounds easy, but there's one catch. 
You can only pick any player a maximum of four times. Not a challenge in the early going, but the vice tightens as the season continues. You know, I finally noticed that while the never-ending PGA Tour started anew in September, we blew off those lesser events that are starting just as there's only one football game left to watch for the rest of our pool season. So if you like the idea, you can start, for instance, at the Masters in April, experiment in year one with, I don't know, four or five people in the pool, see how it goes. You know, we've just added our 14th player in about a 15th year, but it's it's simple to do. It's not complicated, uh, and it's just something you, you throw out there if you like golf. So uh, something to consider for our golf fans. And with that, until next time, gamble on.